All right, James, it has been a while. Welcome back. We're back, baby. My name is Jonas. Just to introduce myself, we haven't talked in a long time. I'm James. For the uh, yeah, for the listeners who are unaware. Nice to meet you. And you just told me, and this is crazy. Actually, you can just tell everyone how many seasons is this for us? Yeah. So I added it up yesterday when we were getting ready for the show. This is our 12th season was with the Leaf Report. The wow. first one we did was. Remember? Do you remember when we started? We started at that studio down on was it Richmond? I think Street. Uh, yeah, we were in the Bell Studio, the little Bell Studio there. It was a lockout. We didn't have a lot going on. We didn't have NHL hockey to cover, so we started the podcast in 2012. And I don't know if anyone could find those old shows because they're not like I don't think we had iTunes or whatever. I think we were just on like SoundCloud. But I pray that no one could find those shows because we had no idea what we were doing. I don't know what we talked about during the lockout. And I think we were averaging like 300 listeners a show back then. So things have changed. You know, this past year is the biggest audience we've ever had by quite a lot. So, you know, thank you for everyone that's spreading the word and continuing to help us grow the show. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We do actually really appreciate it. And we appreciate our producer, Punch. Um, I know you do. I know I do. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. We have been off since July 4. Uh, and I know that's like kind of like the dead zone once you get to like mid-July and August is pretty dead. But there's actually like quite a bit to talk about. Like I have a whole list of stuff for us. Well, the Leafs kept making uh, news in the middle of yeah. August. Yeah. I was on vacation. I was like, whoa, <laughs> stuff kept happening. So what are you going to do? Well, so I've organized things based on like priority, but then like you can get subjective with priority. But I think like no doubt the biggest like I mean, aside from the change in general manager, the biggest transaction of the the summer, would you agree, is the Austin Matthews extension? Yeah, although, I mean, I think to me that one was kind of anticlimactic. Like we sort of knew it was going to happen. We sort of knew the range it was going to fall in. Like mm -hmm. there wasn't anything about that one that was, I thought it was going to happen in early September before training camp and it was going to be four or five years at 13 something. So I don't know if, how the fans felt. I mean, it was important that they got it done, but it also, everything behind the scenes said that it was headed in that direction and it was going to get done. Yes. And I, and I guess like for the Leafs, like you're right. It's like right about what we thought it would be. Four or five years is kind of what you and I were, were thinking. Um, so you're not surprised at all by the number. Were you surprised? Like, I guess you weren't surprised by the term. Like, was it just basically you saw what it was and you're like yeah all right that's about what i thought it would be i mean to be honest the cap hit was a little bit lower than i thought i thought it was going to be i thought it was be 135 136 something like that and 1325 was came in under what kind of the the scuttlebutt or the rumors were that it was going to be so that was the only mild surprise but i mean we're talking 3 400 grand different yeah and obviously it will make him at you know, once the contract starts after the season, the highest paid player or the highest cap in the league. And I think like there slowly is starting to become more of a, a broad understanding of why that is like why these contracts are looking like they are and why his contract looks like this. Do you think that that's true? Like, I think we're, we're moving from this era where players like him and, and players still do, we're expected to take discounts and i think we're going to see maybe more of a sea change where players of his caliber will will try to 
push for more closer to their value in terms of like, it's only a four-year deal. Like a deal like this, I don't know, we saw McKinnon was was 12 and a half. And it was eight years. You know what I mean? Like, do you think we're, we're reaching that point where it's going to be accepted and understood that contracts like this for players like this are what they are? Yeah. I mean, maybe this is like the gateway to that number going up even more. You know, the dry settle, I think, has two years left, and then McDavid has three years left, and you got the Marner's going to be up for a contract. And, you know, some of those, especially with the cap going up the way that people think it's like, let's say the cap goes up $9 million in the next two years or $12 million in the next three years, the landscape that McDavid will be negotiating in and the resume that he'll have will be, there'll be lots more space available there for him than there was for Matthews. And, you know that's me. That's probably when we get into the 15, 16 million more, more. or more. I yeah, think we're getting more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I you mean, know, I, we should note before you go ahead that his agent now, after Jeff Jackson was pegged to lead the Oilers, is now the same agent as Austin Matthews, Judd Moldaver. Yeah, he's amassing. He's amassing quite a client client list. If you look at all the players that you know, I think that when. Moldaver first left CAA. I think Matthews was his only client, and then now he's got all kinds of so pretty, um, pretty impressive. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, I think you're right. I think that McDavid, when he comes up, I mean, he can pretty much pick the number he wants, right? Like, I mean, if he went to the open market, it's the cap potentially could be I'm trying to do the. Like I said, yeah, you know, like high 90s anyway, 94, 95, yeah. 95 million. So if you're looking at, I mean, his last deal was what, 16 something percent of the cap? Mm-hmm. 16.67. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, like could be 16, 17 million, you know. Well, um, and I wonder, James, like if he if he follows along and he's like, you know what, I'm not going to do a eight-year deal. I'm just going to do three years. I'm going to do four years. I don't know. Like I, I kind of thought that this might happen with the last Matthews contract, which was five years. And we started to see it a little bit. I guess it had happened before. Like John Tavares' second contract was six years. Stamkos did a five-year deal. Remember, J- Jamie Benn did a five-year deal and then, then got the... Like I think the smart thing to do is sign your eight-year deal when you're like 30, 31, 32. And then, it's, yeah. then you're getting paid big money for your like late 30s, which... Is a good deal for the player and potentially not very good for the team. Well, and I think what makes this deal and, and even the deal before it different is like the cap. There's no, there's not really a a, a budge that much on on the cap. It like it's still, it is a little bit lower than I thought it would be than you thought it would be. But it's still like it's still going to be the highest cap in the league and it's a four year contract. I don't mind it though for either side. Like for the Leafs, I don't hate where it takes them. Like I think he'll be thirty when the contract expires. Um a nice point like where you can kind of see where the franchise is at see where he's at uh and obviously they get the flexibility like if this contract had been eight years you're probably looking at a cap it that's what like 16 something way higher which would have really hurt them in the short term yeah and it's hard to forecast the number if you go longer as well i I think that that's that's what people need to keep in mind is if the the people who wanted matthews to sign for longer it was gonna have to be a higher a higher number and the other thing too, it's not like there's there's no downside here for Matthews. It's you know with with the injuries he's had and everything. I mean, yeah, it, it, there's poten- there's potential for it to be a good thing that the Leafs didn't lock in really long term at a really big number. So I think this was a good middle ground for both sides. 
Matthews wants to see what happens with the franchise. New GM, not a lot of prospects in, in, you know, and they haven't been able to get over the hump in terms of, you know, and I think he'd be the first person to say that he needs to be part of them getting over the hump. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a player, maybe you don't want to lock in for eight years when you, you know, how, how open is the Leafs window? How long is it going to last? So he signed for five more years. I think that that's, that's a pretty fair commitment to the Leafs. Yeah. And, you know, if they can keep that window open and keep contending through that period, maybe he's signing another deal. At, you're right. He'd be 30 when he gets to UFA, but he would be turning 31 before that next season starts. So mm. in right. September. September birthday. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I'm as you mentioned, like the long-term outlook, like you look beyond 2024, 25, which is this season and next one. The only players under contract are Matthews, David Camp, of course, Callie Yarncroft, of course, Ryan Reeves, of course, and Morgan Riley. And that's it. That's the new core. How many players is that? Five? <laughs> that's core. the that's core. That's the core five. The guy who- <laughs> yep. That is the core five. We gotta start change- um, we gotta start changing who's included in that core group. <laughs> yeah. Bump some of the other guys out. Yeah. Um well, I mean, eventually they'll sign at some point. Well, that'll be a topic for another day way down the line. Um, as far as like other elements of this deal, he's going to become their all-time leading goal scorer. I don't think that that's like going to be a big surprise when that happens. Like that's going to happen two years, next couple years, like two seasons, you think? Is he? I think it's 121 goals from Matt Sundin. Yeah, so probably three years then, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess depending on what. Well, yeah, I guess it, back-to-back 60-goal seasons. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then eventually, like, points. Like, he, he's got a chance to really, like, kind of carve out a legacy for himself. Well, and then he can kind of decide, right? Isn't the interesting one on points that Marner's right there too, right? So it could he be. He is, yes. Yeah. But unlike Matthews at this point, like, he doesn't have a, like, he's not signed long-term. That will come, obviously. They can and they will, yeah. Jonas. They can and they will. They can and they will. And and I do think like just for a second, like I do think that that's like a, an important side element of this. It will be interesting to see what kind of like effect that this contract has on Marner's next contract because it was very clear that the last time around Matthew's contract, the five-year deal did have an effect on Marner's contract, which ended up being a six-year deal. So anyway, that's like, that's another issue for them to worry about down the line. That's next summer's podcast. Yes. <laughs> Uh, anything about else about this, this contract you want to discuss? No, I, I just, like I said, I think it was a, a good compromise deal and it came in a little bit lower than I thought. And I think the way that fans should think about it is you've got Austin Matthews, one of the best players in the world, signed for five more years. Like that's that's a long time in the NHL. And you have the best, well, one of the best players in the world that's committed for, uh, was it 13 years, the first 13 years of his career. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and as you pointed out to me when I wrote a story at the draft, I think it was, just about the way that this was shaping up, and one of the things like you and I discussed is like this locks up his entire prime, and that's that's really what you want, right? You're getting all his good seasons, right? Like his best seasons are all now under contract. So anyone that anyone in another market that's saying to Leafs fans, oh, he doesn't want to be there, or he's going to leave, he's going to go to Arizona, it's all bullshit. And it always was, because he doesn't want to be here, but he locks himself in for 13 years to start his career. I mean, come, he, clear, yeah. he clearly wants to be in Toronto, clearly. 
given that it's something we talked about for so long and then it happens and then like you just kind of move on. When you think of like the next big thing from their offseason, what comes to mind? Because I have a whole list, but I want to see what you would say. I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. I just think that like the overall roster composition of this group is super interesting. And that's like, I still can't figure out what the lines and the defense pairs and their cap situation and all that stuff. I mean, if people, people go to the athletic, the last piece I wrote uh, was about the cap situation, about what's happening with the goalies. I mean, maybe we should get into the goalie stuff. I, I have some tidbits on the Matt Murray and the Ilya Samsonov and Joseph Wool and, Martin Jones, I have I have a little bit of stuff, a little bit of knowledge I can drop in that conversation. So that's what I would pick to talk about next. You know what's perfect? That's next on my list, oh, the see? Samsonov contract. See? So it does go all the way to arbitration, one year, 355, right? Have I got that right? That's, I just remember that's that it. offhand. It's accurate. Um, that's basically about what you and I thought it would be. Um, like, I don't think that that's Again, I surprising. Thought, Actually, I thought maybe yeah. a little bit lower. You know, when I looked at yeah. the comparables, okay. I had them closer to three. Then you go to arbitration, maybe three two five, three point three. But I mean, it's it's so close. So, and I think the reason the Leafs went to arbitration is they were hoping to get it just a little bit lower than that. Yeah, and I I think this this was the best solution like all along a one year deal where they could kind of see what he is like. Still, don't really know. You know, like he had obviously a really good season last year, but he wore down down the stretch when he took on a bigger load. He got hurt, obviously, in the playoffs. We'll see. Like, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. And then, obviously, next summer, they'll have an interesting decision depending on how things go with Samsonov. If he performs, they have to decide if they actually want to pay him because he'll be a UFA or let him go. And, I mean, there's obviously the possibility that he can't handle this workload um, as a full-time number one. So, uh, I talked to a number of people around the league about this and – you know, what would it look like for a two-year deal for Samsonov or a three-year deal or a four-year deal? And the rule of thumb they said is that based on what he did and being a number one goalie and winning as many games as he did, his UFA years are probably around five million. Probably. So if you yeah. want to if you want to do the the fudged math on that, his RFA year was worth around 3.5. If you so if you want to sign him to a two-year deal, that second year is going to be around five. So that's eight point five for two years. So that's four point two five a year. So would you rather have him on a one-year deal at 3.5 or a two-year deal at 4.25 and eat up another 725 of your cap space that you don't have? Or if you want to do a three-year deal, then all of a sudden you're looking at 13.5 for three years, you know, and then that's mm. that's going to that's gonna go even higher. That's going to be like a four point <laughs> I, – I, I, now, now I've talked myself into uh, a math problem on while, while we're recording, but basically that that's – that's why I think that they decided to do the one-year deal is that from Samsonov's perspective, as a UFA, those years are going to be worth more than the RFA years. But from the Leafs' perspective, they didn't want to pay the UFA price for a guy that's really only had one good season for them. Yeah, it's a really good way of putting it. Because you just don't know. Like You look at how many games he played last year. I think he started 40 games. Um, and so you look ahead to this year and you're thinking, like, I was pegging him for like 50-ish minimum, like low 50s. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Like that's a that's a not an insub- inconsequential like jump in workload. Like you look at his games played year by year. Uh, as a rookie, he started 22 games. 
next season, shortened season, he starts 18. Well, I mean, I think in a in a perfect scenario, Joseph Wool comes in and is really good and challenges him, and there's a there's a battle for starts. I mean, I think that's ideally where you end up. I think ideally where they end up is he's actually close to what he was last year with a bigger workload and, and wall is like a 25, 30 ish starts. I just think, I mean the, like the, that, the league's just moving to it to be a tandem league and goal. And it's slowly been going that way. And, you know, Vegas winning the cup with their third string yeah. guy or whatever in the net is, is another indication. And so when I say best case scenario, I think, I think it, the best case scenario, you have both guys playing well. And then if someone gets hurt or someone struggles for a little bit, you've got another option. I guess I'm just thinking like, I think their goaltending, I think I wrote this in the summer, I think their goaltending is a, as big a question mark this year as it was last year, heading into things. like I, I think there's probably been too much of an assumption on what Wall is. Like I don't know if he's good. Like He just hasn't played enough. And then Martin Jones, I know you're a big fan of Martin Jones. Um, I am. Like, yeah, you are. You're not. I remember like Good BC talking boy. to you about him. Yeah, but I remember talking to you about him and you're just like, oh my God, the numbers. Like, I think we, we, we've had him on lists for like goalies they could acquire and you're just like, not Martin Jones. Like, he was good a long time ago in San Jose. He struggled for like the last, whatever it is, five or six years, but but he's the number three. Like, there's no confusion here. I, he's, eh, he's, we'll see. He's the number three, Jonas. 100%. Okay, we'll see. I we'll see. Source, I, sources say Jonas. Sources say he's the number three. We'll, I'm going to watch how camp goes. I'm going to watch how camp goes. This is they're all not going to wave Joseph Wall. Okay, they're not going. They're not. Okay. The the Martin Jones right. is coming in knowing he's the number three, and the only thing is like if there could be an injury, right? And then you don't have to worry about this. But if everybody's healthy, you either got to go with three goalies into the into the season, which the Leafs can't really do because their cap space is, their cap situation is so tight, or you got to wave somebody yeah. and you got to hope that Martin Jones gets through. And the I Le- think it's a, Leafs yeah. have not had good luck sneaking goalies through waivers in the past. I don't know if anyone uh, has noticed that. No, and it would not be wise asset management to try to sneak Joseph Wall through to keep 36-year-old Martin Jones. Wall wouldn't get through. Oh, he's only 30. He's only 33. Not as old as I thought. No. He did play a lot of games last year. Like he, he's the right kind of third goalie that they really haven't had. Like that kind of third goalie. Um, they've had like obviously experienced NHL goalies in that third spot, but kind of like way. Eh, I guess not way past their prime. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, well, I'm curious the, to see how this like goes. He's like the Curtis McElhinney. Yeah, but he's better than Curtis McElhinney. Like, Curtis McElhinney was never, like, a starter in the NHL. He but was you don't need him to be a starter, though, right? Like, it doesn't – I don't yeah. know. Like, I think you pro- you want Jones to be able to come in and play 10, 12 games when someone's hurt and, and, and be fine. That's what, that's what you want him to be. I guess I'm just, like, I'm connecting the dots a little bit with what I've heard Brad Tree Living say, and now I've seen what they've done. Um, and I'm referring to what he said at the draft, where – Lots of, I'm paraphrasing, he said, basically lots of times young goalies start really well and then they kind of come back to earth and then they go and sign a guy who started 40 games last year. There's your, vote, there's your vote of confidence, Joseph Wool. But I, I just know organizationally, they believe it's Samsonov, Wool, Jones is, is the hierarchy they've got right now. I guess, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think it'll be interesting to see like if, anyway, we'll see. I, I just, I'm, it, it kind of gets to what I'm curious about with the way that they're going to operate is 
they were, I guess, a process-oriented front office under Kyle Dubas, right? Like, there would be no way in a Kyle Dubas world that they would sign Martin Jones and then waive Joseph Hall to keep Martin Jones. You know what I mean? Like, they... We saw what happened with Garrett Sparks back in the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where it's like you try to do the right thing process wise. And now I just don't know as much how it's going to work with Bradtree Living just because he's not the same GM. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? You're it's making sense, show. Jonas, but I think you're overthinking this one because the, the intention with signing Martin Jones was that he's the three. So there's no, okay. there's, there's no extra drama there at this point. It is weird, though, that he started more games than Samsonov last year in the NHL. Yeah, but... Not that that matters. I mean, it's just like funny. Seattle was so desperate, right? Like, remember we were in Seattle for that game against the Leafs and Grubauer was letting in everything and... Yes, I remember that. I mean, like, imagine how good Seattle would have been if they had goaltending their first two seasons in the NHL. It's been the yeah, Achilles heel for them. I guess I, I'm just really curious to see how their goaltending plays out because, like, I don't know... You've got one guy who had re- one really good year... You've got Joseph Foles played 13 games, and then you've got Martin Jones. So, goaltending matters, James, apparently. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I would say is that the last couple of seasons, they've been a really good defensive team, which, yes, good point. which we can debate if they've taken a step well, back there with the way the personnel's changed. Yes. Uh, they're a well-coached team. Yes. Uh, they score a lot of goals, so they don't necessarily rely on a goalie to you know only let in one or two. And and they're only spending four point three on goaltending right now, and they yep. have they have the ability if Joseph Wool if it doesn't work, you got the ability to pivot and acquire somebody, bring someone else in. So I think that's where the goaltending's at. I'm not that worried about the goaltending. I think they made the right decision. See what Samsonov and Wool can do based on the years they had last year, and if it doesn't work, yep. then you you got to improvise. Yeah, from where they were, I think it's fine. Um, the other part of this that we haven't mentioned is Matt Murray being placed on long-term injured reserve, which is super curious given that he was cleared to return in the playoffs. Maybe he's suffered some serious injuries since then, but what did you make of that whole thing? Because I know we had we had touched on it briefly, I think in podcasts like debating what's going to happen, and, and you and I were, or I, I know I was like, how are they going to place him on injured reserve? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly fortuitous for the Leafs that they're able to do that because the other options were going to be a trade with a sweetener like they did with Mrazek, and it'd have to be a pretty good sweetener given the cash on the Murray contract. Like, it's an $8 million payout, and uh, I, I, I think the Senators pay a quarter of that. So $6 million someone's got to pay. Um, it's pretty hard to get a team to eat that for a guy who's as injured as Murray's been. And the other option was the buyout, and you can only buy the guy out if he's if he's healthy. Um, but the buyout was going to come with a, I think it was six eighty k cap hit this year, and then two million next year. So not having to do a buyout is huge. Not having to have a sweetener in a trade it's big too because the Leafs aren't drowning in assets in terms of draft picks and prospects. So you know the fact that they were able to come, I mean it. it the Leafs aren't saying anything about Matt Murray and where he's at in terms of his body. His camp isn't saying anything as well. So it reminds me a little bit. Of, it's like the loophole situation or something. The guy goes away. They say he's hurt and they spend the $4.7 that they gain from it. And 
we'll see where Matt Murray's at if he tries to make a comeback a year from now. Yeah, so I was on vacation when this happened. Did Was there any indication of what the injury was? Like, did they not, they, nothing? They didn't say a whole lot of anything. I mean, I don't, I don't need, I don't know if, to be honest, I don't know if Tree Living's addressed it at all in, in the availabilities he's had since it happened. You know, I reached out and I talked to the league and I said, you know, are you, are you guys looking at this? Or you, and, you know, I basically said that teams have to file medical documentation when someone goes on LTI. And then, you know, there's really only an investigation if the league thinks there's something funny there. And, you know, the last I had heard, you know, close to when they, they put him on LTI, which was end of July, I think, um, the league wasn't doing any kind of investigation into it or anything. And, you know, the thing that, you know, agents and teams have said over the years is that most guys that have been in the NHL for eight to 10 years, the way Murray has, and have had as many injuries as he has, it's not that hard to find an injury where you can point to and say, this guy shouldn't be playing. Well, I mean, we know the concussion issues that he's had. It right. wouldn't be right. that hard to just say like, he's having headaches. He's having, you know what I mean? Like, Again, like it's a really tough thing because like I don't want to assume that they're being deceitful. It's just very weird based on them saying he was cleared to return in the playoffs from concussion issues. And then like Well, it worked out it, it worked out mo- the best case scenario for the Leafs, really. Yes. Yes. So And again, like that that whole that whole situation, like the whole Matt Murray trade, everything like that, everything that was predictable ended up being what happened so i guess the only thing i didn't predict was like actually no i think it probably even was something you and i discussed was like maybe second year he'll be hurt and he just ends up on ltir and the other thing and this this was in the column that i wrote after it happened so forgive me to the people who have already read this but the other thing that you know for murray if it came down to a decision where take the buyout or go on lti for the year and again we're just speculating because we don't know if it was his decision. There was a lot of money at stake for him if he was bought out. If he was bought out, he loses a third of of the $8 million contract that he had signed in Ottawa. So he would be leaving two point something on the table. Well, and my first retort was going to be, well, he can just go and sign somewhere else. Not but it's like, that well, how many teams, right? And who's going to like, who would want to sign him at this point in the NHL? No. Like, would he get an NHL contract? He would probably get, not. He'd get probably a deal like Martin Jones got, which was close to league minimum one year, and maybe you end up in the minors. And so if you're Murray and your body's all beat up and it's borderline whether you feel like you're going to be ready for training camp, maybe it's worth keeping the extra $2.6 million and taking a year to rehab your body and try and make your, your, your long shot comeback attempt a year from now. But again, well, the good thing for him is, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, we're speculating because we don't know the extent to. I mean, it very well could be that in the offseason he suffered some injury we don't know about. And so. Well, I guess the only thing is, it's not like he'll be so old at that point. Like, he'll be 30 next spring. Mm-hmm. But, like, taking a year off 30 with everything, I don't know. I mean, maybe. It's just like, would you rather play a year and make less money and maybe revamp your career or get things back on track or take a year off and heal. Like you said, it's not exactly a Muzzin situation because he's younger. Right. So yeah, often when you see guys go on LTI for the rest of their career, they're older, they have more years left on their deal and they're 
to the point where they're ready to think about retirement. And Murray's awfully young to be in that situation, but only he knows where his body's at. And he's definitely had, I mean, he's had like nine injuries or something in the last two years. So I'm sure he's frustrated by the way things have gone for him the last couple of years. Just thinking ahead though to next summer when he becomes a free agent, you're right. Like he's probably that's a probably all he's getting is like a one year contract for like I mean minimum basically. I, I, yeah. I mean I was talking this year Good. if he got bought out, but like next year I mean he might be a PTO somewhere or something like that. Or he might be a PTO, right? In Europe yeah. or I don't you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a 30-year-old who hasn't played in a year who has heard a million times before that. Like, it's going to be tough. He's a guy who's got lots of, like, outside interests and stuff too, right? So sometimes yes. sometimes those players are more, you know, he's banked a lot of money in his career. You know, that, that contract that Ottawa gave him alone was, what, oh my God. you know, $23 million or whatever. You know, it's so, we'll see. We'll see. But it, like I said, it worked out really well for the Leafs that that's the way that it went. All right, let's take a break. We got a lot more to discuss, and we also have some questions to take. So we will take a break and get to that in a sec. All righty, James. Uh, more stuff to get to I like from stuff. the offseason. You like stuff. Um, this one actually just happened not that long ago. Um, Sheldon Keefe extended for two years. So he's now under contract for this year, the following year, and one more after that. Not a surprise because once you decide you're bringing him back, which was the decision of Bradtree Living after he took over, you didn't really want him to be heading into the last year of his year with everything that's gone on with this team. Um, does it change your perception at all of, of his security or or no? Because it doesn't really for me, but I think I think it does a little bit. It does a little bit. I mean, he's got I, I would think he's likely safe this year, you know, whereas if he didn't have an See, extension, I don't know about that. I don't know. Okay. I there's there's a the same thing happened with Babcock. There's a reluctance in ownership here in Toronto to carry dead money, you know. And and Keith would have got likely close to three million dollars a year. So mm-hmm. it's not nothing if they try and move away from Keith in the middle of the season this year. It's that's a lot of money that's that's there on the table. Yeah, I think a midseason thing would be surprising, although. We'll get to the changes to their coaching staff, which were interesting. And obviously, Sheldon Keefe plays a hand and a big hand in who they hire as assistants. But it's just like, I'm thinking after next season, like if they have another situation in the playoffs like they've had many times, it would be hard to see how, again, they could bring him back as coach and just keep doing this again and again and again. Like that's that's where I just don't know that I think an extension would change anything. But maybe you're right. Like maybe... I don't know. Like, it's just hard to say based on how, given that we don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty big vote of confidence. I thought when, you know, Elliot Friedman was reporting that they were looking at an extension, I thought, oh, okay, they'll give him another one more year or whatever. And, you know, that, that takes the lame duck piece out of the equation. But two years, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it's an endorsement by the new GM, you know, and, that's one that's one of the things I think if you go back and you look at our commentary in in June when everything was going on with the Kyle Dubas situation, I, you and I I think both thought that Keefe was big time in jeopardy with the new GM in place. And it's interesting that so little has really changed. I mean, it's you, yes. you know like the core four 
core five, if you include Morgan Riley, are coming back. The coach is coming back with an extension. There's a lot of, and, and a lot of the front office that we and people around the league thought would turn over, it didn't happen. You know, most people stayed. And I think, you know, one of the reasons is, is as you reported um, during the fallout, is that Kyle Dubas gave contracts to a lot of his lieutenants and, you know, they're, they're locked in with the Leafs. So maybe that's turnover that'll happen a year or two from now. But it's just, it's really interesting just how much of everything that Brendan Shanahan brought back for next year. Yes. Well, let me ask you a question. Had Kyle Dubas remained as the GM, do you think Sheldon Keefe would still be the coach? I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Like part of me thinks that it would have been a trade that would have been the major change and he would have kept the coach. Would he have extended Keefe at that point? Would he have been allowed to extend Keefe at that point? I don't know. But it's interesting that like I'm more uncertain than I think I thought I would be which I never actually thought about this before. But it's weird just because Kyle Dubas is obviously the guy who's hired Sheldon Keefe at every step. And yet I'm not sure if he had stayed, if Sheldon Keefe was staying. I don't know. Like it makes sense, obviously, if you're not changing the coach to just add years to his contract, just to erase. I don't even know if it's like the perception. It's with the players. I think you probably feel a little bit less clout from the coach if well, he has a, a year left only a year left remember, do you think that's true remember the sideshow at the beginning of last year when like they struggled out of the gate and it was all you know there was talk about bruce boudreaux and there was talk about barry trotz and like what was the, their, yeah. their record was soft to start the year and there was all this supposed heat on sheldon keith and i don't think it was very real like i don't think they were looking that closely at it but yeah, but I another ten games and it might have got real. Like, Maybe. remember you had the GM without a contract as well. Like, there were a lot of layers. Like, how do you when you think of his his time so far? It's hard not to like break it up into two baskets where he's been extraordinarily successful in the regular season. Like, I think he has the second best winning percentage of any active coach. Uh, I think uh, I think that's right. He's got uh, I think one only of the, Jay Woodcroft is is better. He's got one of the best. Yeah points percentages of any coach in NHL history that's coached as many games as he has. So yeah, they've won a lot of regular season games. Now you could also say like he led the team past the first round for the first time since 2004, but like, I don't know, like one playoff round win in four years isn't very good. I, I think Sheldon keeps a good coach. You know, I think that he's still, his message is still getting through to this group. The problem is, the, the, the problem is the same problem they've had the last couple of years is if you bring back largely the same pieces and the same thing happens again, yes. then it's kind of like shame on you, right? Like fool me once, fool me twice, fool me six times. Like at some point you got to, and it was interesting, you know, Tree Living talked about when the, the extension was announced, kind of that, that Keith had these, I'm trying to think of the way it was phrased. Did you see that press conference? It was. I was on that press conference, yeah. Yeah, kind of like. Keith has some outside of the box ideas or has some innovative sol- solutions for how we can take the next step. And whatever those are, they must have been pretty con- convincing because I actually, I agree with bringing Keith back this year for sure and giving him another shot. It's just that you can envision a scenario where they get into the playoffs and things start going sideways again. And, you know, th- there's going to be some fair criticism that they didn't change enough with this group to avoid 
suffering the same fate in the playoffs again. Well, and if you go back to Kyle Dubas's last press conference as the GM, who knew it would be his last press conference as the GM, but one of the things he mentioned is that they were going to need to find, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I think he said like new strategies for how they produce offense in the playoffs because that's been an issue throughout Sheldon Keith's tenure is they score all kinds of goals in the regular season mm-hmm. and then the playoffs come around and they just can't score. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to get interesting. Like if that happens again, like you said, like then what? And I think I, I'm curious to see like one of his jobs is like to find a way for his star players to reach another level in the playoffs. And like that happened in the first round, but then, I mean, they would, they weren't as like as bad as I think perception is against Florida, but they didn't produce. And like, that's ultimately the job. Yeah. So, I mean, they were bad when it really mattered in game three. They were. Yeah. yeah. Also good point. Yeah. Very good point. And that's again, like that's, that's all part of the job. So like it, yeah, it's it's a hard thing with a coach because like you can say, well, it's on the players to produce, but like the point of having the coach is the coach to get the players to produce, find a way. So um, that leads me to the next part of our conversation, uh, the changes to the coaching staff. Obviously, Spencer Carberry takes the job to become the head coach in Washington. Guy Boucher, I'm sure you were predicting this, the guy they hired to replace him. I was not predicting that. It's interesting though because <laughs> when when they when the Leafs were trying to get Mike Babcock, Guy Boucher was waiting in the wings. And if the Babcock thing fell through, if Babcock went to another team, Guy Boucher would have been the head coach of the Leafs back in was that 2015? Yeah, yeah, 2015. So here we are, eight years later, and Guy Boucher is coming in as assistant coach. To well, he's been he's been out of the league since he was fired by Ottawa. He's been out of. Every league, hasn't he? Like, I don't... Every league, yeah. He, I don't like, think he he's coached. Yeah. You know, it's interesting he's been on the sidelines for... And has he been an assistant coach much in the NHL? Not since not since junior. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah, so that's... I don't know. I don't even think you can read into that and say, like, he's waiting in the wings to take Keith's job because he hasn't been an NHL co- head coach in quite a while. He hasn't been a successful NHL head coach in quite a while. Um. There could have been more threatening people they could have put on the bench besides Sheldon Keefe. They're like, this this guy's going to take the job. I mean, he didn't have an extension at that point, and obviously we thought he was going to get one. But eh, I mean, it's it, it felt curious, like a f- curious choice, especially the way things went in both his his stops in the NHL. Like his yeah. his record was basically the same in both stops. Like what was it? Like make the Eastern Conference final, miss the playoffs, get fired. Right. Yeah, and his style very heavily defensive. I mean, like, remember he was coaching Tampa when they played, what was it? Like basically yeah, like, the one, three, one, right. One, three, one. Yeah. But you know, it was, it was basically like the one, four or something. And you just keep everyone in your own end in, in, you know, on your side of the red line. And it was very, very defensive. And that's not the role he's going to be in with the Leafs. I don't know. That if, I wonder if there's like a relationship with Guy Boucher and Shanahan or, or tree living or something that I don't know. It's an interesting choice for sure. And he's going to be coaching the power play apparently, which is like the the mind blown emoji when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now maybe like their, their power play is pretty, I mean, look with the talent that they have, it's not really that hard a power play to kind of figure out. But I mean, the other addition obviously to the coaching staff is a former Leaf, Mike Van Ryan. 
Um, so the coaching staff has gotten bigger. I always, but, I always liked Van Ryan when, when he was a player, he always a bright guy and he wasn't, and he wasn't in yeah. Toronto very long. He had, had lots of injuries and, um, he was St. Louis, correct? Yeah. He won a cup. Yeah. I saw there were some blues fans complaining about, I think he managed the defense in St. Louis. And I saw there were some blues fans complaining about, I mean, I know Pareko and, and there were some issues on the back end there. So, um, be interesting to see. He, Van Ryan's not super experienced; like he hasn't been in the NHL as a coach for that long. So another, another interesting decision there. Well, and one thing I know about Van Ryan, just like you mentioned from being around him when he was a Leaf, good people person. Like I think he's he could be that person on the staff. Um, like I think Dean Chanoust is this way, who can kind of be that buffer between the players and the coach because he obviously wasn't a player that long ago, uh, and he's. I, like I can just tell you a story that that comes to mind from that time. I was traveling with the team at that point, and so I would do all the radio interviews before or during the game and after the game if they won. And I I remember I did an interview with Nick Antropov. I think it was like a morning of a game, and I think I asked him about the trade deadline. I think, and I remember Mike Van Ryan came up to me afterward and said, "Like, can you kind of like ease off him with this trade stuff? It's really like it's bothering him." I said, oh, I hear you. And I just thought it was like an interesting insight into the type of person he was. Well, and that he it wasn't, wasn't a guy like, that had been around for that long either, right? Right, right, exactly. And like Antropov had been a Leaf for a while at that point. And it wasn't the PR staff who might be in that situation. It was like another player. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see what kind of role he plays as kind of the buffer. Because like, obviously Sheldon Keefe talks to the players all the time, but you need that person on the staff who... You know what I mean? You can kind of soften things. Good cop, and bad guys. cop. So you're saying Guy Boucher's the bad yes. cop and Mike Van Ryan is the yeah. good cop. Does okay. Guy Boucher strike you as like warm and cuddly? No, so I said no. he's the bad cop. Have you, seen, right. have you seen the Lego movie with the guy with the bad cop face and the good cop face? Spins around. I have not seen that movie. I, I've heard it's good though. I, like I would be, I would see it. I've, I've like overdosed on it because my kids watch it over and over again. But yeah, it's good. Okay. Will, Will Ferrell's in it. There you go. I like Will Ferrell. Um, did you see the Barbie movie, by the way? I have not seen He's it. In that. I have not seen it yet. I saw Oppenheimer, but I, I did not see Barbie. Oh, I got to see Oppenheimer soon. That's on my list. It's, um, it's the bomb, Jonas. Isn't it like three hours? <laughs> it's over three hours. It's the bomb. Very so, nice. Yeah. So I would recommend don't go to an 11 o'clock showing after you've had several beers. That's that's not the time to go to it. Yeah. It sounds like, like an afternoon matinee kind of thing. And then get dinner afterward. Um, yeah. You'll, you might fall asleep if if you do what I did. Well, no. If I watch Dune Part 2, I'll fall asleep. But I think that's not coming out now until next year. I'm so just, I don't really have to I worry about it. I can't wait for Dune Part 2. I'm pumped. <laughs> you just need a good nap. That's what you're looking forward to. All right, James. And the other addition, obviously, to the Leafs, among the many, many, many changes, Derek Clancy as one of the five assistant gms that's a lot of assistant gms that has to be a record right that has to <laughs> right be, is that an nhl record we have to maybe we'll consult the nhl records committee and see what the most assistant gms a team has ever had i wonder if part of that i wonder if part of that jonas is they've got a lot of people under contract as i said earlier but also tree living wants to bring in someone who he know he knows I think that that makes a ton of sense. I mean, we we saw him bring in spe- uh, special advisor. I was going to say Shane Doan as the special advisor to the GM. So those are 
the two front office changes I think that have been made. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? No, I don't think so. No, I think that's um, it. Yeah, and obviously the changes to the coaching staff. Um, any thoughts? Not really. Besides that? Uh, I believe Clancy played with Tree Living at some point, like in their in the, in the minors somewhere, I believe. So they've known each other a really long time. And um, I don't think Clancy's a big analytics person from his time in Vancouver. No, you sent me an article that he, he did an interview with, I think it was Thomas Trance in Vancouver. Is that yes, right? I, I believe. Yeah. It was one of our Canucks writers wrote. Yeah. So I encourage people to, if you want to know more about the new assistant GM, there was a good uh, one-on-one that we had, I think last year with him in Vancouver. Yes. And I, he was asked about his approach to analytics and yeah, maybe go read it. Um, the other thing that obviously happened that was devastating for the Leafs and just for the world, like given um, what happened to him is, is Rody and Amarov passing away. It's just like, you can't, there's not really much to say. It's just very sad. Obviously such a young guy, just, yeah, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. 21 years old, bright future. And uh, it's, it's, it's just awful. Well, and I would encourage anyone um, to go back and read, if you missed it, Josh Cloak wrote a really nice story um, after Amarov's passing, just about some of like what was missed. Like You just don't get to see how his life story plays out. And obviously hockey is just like a tiny part of that, uh, but just a guy who's so young gets taken from the world. It's just very sad. So um, just wanted to bring that up. Um, because we were away. Yeah, condolences to his family and friends. And, you know, I, I'm sure that the Leafs will probably do something um, at the start of the season to to remember him. Well, and, and just on that point, it was really nice that they were able to, you remember when he was in Toronto mm-hmm. and he got to go to the game and he was in the dressing room afterward. And I think it was a game, I actually know it was the game that he played Washington and I just remember seeing him outside the Capitals dressing room afterward with, with some of the Russians, with Samsonov, and he got to meet Ovechkin. Um, so just a, kind of an, at least a nice moment um, in a brutal situation for him. Yeah. So uh, let's take a break and we will get into some questions. It is your favorite time of the show, the only show part of the show that you really actually care about. It's time for questions. I care about the other 45 minutes or however long we've been recording put a but lot this of this is like your top priority right put, put my heart and soul into it well okay all right dallas has the question that everyone wants answered he says what do they do about the defense it's far from top 10 cal- caliber in the nhl i think I, i'm glad dallas brought this up because i actually think it's like nothing is underrated or overlooked in the summer because like it's the summer but the look of their defense is is very questionable for lots of reasons. Like TJ Brody obviously had a really rough playoffs after a good regular season, but a regular season that he was hurt. He's 33. Jake McCabe was supposed to be their answer to play in really tough minutes. He really struggled with that. They had to move him down to the third pair. He's turning 30. Mark Giordano is going to be 40. He was like, he had a really good regular season, obviously, but he was barely playable in the playoffs. John Klingberg, I think you know the story as well as anyone with John Klingberg. Uh, Connor Timmons, just they he just stopped playing late in the season because they didn't really have room for him. 
Um, yeah, like Simon Benoit, they bring in like I, I just it's just not a really inspiring group. What do you think? Well, I mean, the interesting thing there's there's kind of this debate in the Leafs fan base about you know we don't we don't need help on defense because our trouble in the playoffs has been scoring, which yeah, is at, Dom which, loves that, which is which is accurate that their problem has been they haven't had trouble they've had trouble scoring, but it's hard not to look at the blue line as it's currently constructed and wonder what the plan is and if it's good enough, you know, what, what's your shutdown pair look like? Um, does McCabe bounce back and, you know, does Brody bounce back? Cause he struggled at times in the playoffs. Does Lilgren take another step? And, and what is Klingberg? Cause I mean, Klingberg struggled for two or three years. You know, it wasn't just last year in Anaheim and, you know, I, that's one of those, the, the two moves in the off season I really didn't like was the Ryan Reeves contract, 1.35 million. Klingberg gets 4.15. I mean, you spend four and a half or sorry, five and a half million of your, yeah, very limited cap space to maneuver with five and a half million on big time question marks, one up front and one on defense. And if Klingberg's what he is was, you know, four or five years ago, then great. Then I'm I'm happy to give him four point one five. But if he struggles, you know, there all of a sudden the blue line. I'm not really sure. And there's not like there's a whole bunch of young players ready to step up. And the other thing I would say is they're so tight against the cap, Jonas. I don't even know if Connor Timmons can be on the team. Like it, if you if you play around and. With their cap, their cap situation, I mean, something's got to give, and they might have to go down to a twenty-player roster to start the season. And if they do that, is is Tim's going to make the twenty-player roster? If that's how tight they are against the cap, probably not. Well, I I guess they could finagle their defense in a way that keeps Timmins and gets rid of Giordano. Like they could make the pairs work like that, but what, like, what are you going to do? Wave Giordano? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Jason Spezzo. We've seen it with Wayne Simmons. Like, I, I don't think he, he's... They could barely... Yeah. I don't think... It, again, like, I, I think the playoffs are a different animal. Like, the, the pace is just too much for him, and I think that will be an issue next spring, even more so. I think regular season, he's, he's probably still fine. But again, I think you, you hit on so many of the key points. And I think the thing with Klingberg is... It, it feels a little bit like some of these other mistakes that they've made in the past. Like you think Nick Ritchie, you think even Matt Murray, where it's like, this looks like a, a mistake. This, this is going to be a mistake. And then if it's a mistake, like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of trying to be right and you're, you're not really like, it's not like they got a discount. It's not like he was like 2 no. million. You know what I mean? No, I think if he, yeah, I think if he, when I first saw they had signed him, I was wondering where the number was going to be. And, I wondered if he was going to take a, a steep discount to come on a one-year deal and kind of approve yourself deal. You know, if he's making two million or two point two or something, you can put him on the third pair and feel good about it, and you can shelter him. And but they're going to need—I don't know. I mean, they're going to need McCabe to be a top four. Obviously, Riley's in the top four. Brody. You know what I think the problem is, James? Like just just as you're you're talking this through with me, there's not a lot of upside like the only guy i look at and i see upside is is obviously timothy Lilligren. tj brody like i think he'll bounce back to what he was during the regular season he is 33 jake mccabe is what he is like this was my problem with that trade at the time is like that jake mccabe is like a five six defenseman that's just who he is like he's not going to suddenly become 
this great defenseman because that's not who he is. John Klingberg is, I think he just turned 31. He's coming off like not one, but like multiple poor seasons. Um, so like, I don't know where the upside is. Mark Giordano is, is like I said, he's 40 or he's going to be 40. It's just, I guess you can plan to make a trade at, at some point, but again, like you mentioned the cap, like, I don't know, like it, it just doesn't look like a great group. Yeah, and I think that, and we'll probably get into this, this is probably a whole different discussion, but I think some of the changes they made up front made them better offensively and weaker defensively. So that could potentially put more pressure on that blue line and on the goaltenders. So yeah, um, I guess, you know, I guess you could, you hope Lilgren maybe takes the next step and he can move into your top four potentially. Honestly, James, that would be my plan. Like if I was yeah playing around with the puzzle pieces right now, that would be my plan. I would not, I mean, it's hard because like you signed John Klingberg for four point whatever million but i would just shelter him and he can be like an offensive yeah, maybe he can be an offensive catalyst for you in the i mean i bet you that's probably where he ends up you know if if they start him in the top four he's not going to last that long there yeah all right that is a very good question i can see why it was upvoted uh jason wants to know is there any updates on matthew nye's concussion recovery that takedown in the playoffs looked brutal. Did it affect his training and development over the summer? Um, I saw this question a few days ago, so I actually asked, and uh, I was told that Nice was fine and was able to have a regular off season and and train as usual. So, I mean, he's going to be. We ran a piece at the Athletic today that was the top Calder candidates around the league, and Nice came in number eight. Uh, as a Calder candidate, um, which was interesting. I was a little bit surprised he was that high, but if he ends up on the Matthews line or the Tavares line, and you know, I think to win the Calder or to be a Calder candidate, you probably got to get, get at least 50 points, which feels a lot to ask of Nyes in his first season. But you know, with the way he looked late last year, I can see why there's there's the hype around him. These are the seven in front of him. Bedard, Probably going to win it. Uh, Logan Cooley, two. Mm-hmm. Devin Levi, three. Interesting. Uh, I'm just scrolling through. Adam Fantilli, four. Luke Hughes, five. Pause for effect. Brant Clark, six. And Leo Carlson, seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard not to see Bedard winning it, like unless he's like... Well, he gets hurt or... Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's Nick, the next question? Nick wants to know your thoughts on losing Achari, Shen, Gustafson, Bunting, O'Reilly, and gaining Domi, Bertuzzi, Klingberg, Camp, Reeves. I don't know why they're gaining Camp in this scenario, but that's what he's got here. Camp was on the team last year. He's not new. <laughs> that's not a new one. Um, so a lot of the players that they lost were trade deadline additions, so they didn't have them for the full year. The only player on that list he has of players they lost is bunting um so i guess do you do you think bertuzzi cancels out bunting and then you know you're down to you're down to klingberg being the new addition on defense and reeves and domi the new additions up front yeah i think what they are is i think you touched on it before i think offensively they'll be fine like domi domi is kind of I mean, it's not perfect because he's not going to play the same role on special teams. I guess he'll play on the power play, second power play for sure. 
Uh, but like he's in kind of the Kerfoot spot where he's just kind of like going to be a top nine forward who can play in a lot of different positions. Like he can't play, obviously, I wouldn't think on some sort of like defensive line. No. Um, but you know what? I I think that that's fine. Do you think they play Domi with Tavares and Nylander? Like that's, it seems like. I don't think that's, so I've started working on my training camp stuff. I don't know that you can get away with a line of Domi, Tavares, Neilander defensively. Mm-hmm. Like that just feels like death. Um, so maybe it's like Domi, Tavares, Marner. I mm-hmm. could see mm-hmm. making some sense. Um, but what I don't love, James, and this is kind of part of it, is those guys don't have like a lot of utility. Like Bertuzzi's not going to kill penalties. Domi's not going to kill penalties. Reeves can literally only play on the fourth line and play like eight minutes a game. Well, and now like, by talking, playoff time, they're talking about using Matthews on the penalty kill now. I've heard that before. We'll see. And I don't know how ideal that is. Like how many minutes is he going to be playing? So that's another side conversation. And you know what the other thing is, James? I think like they're, they're much weaker down the middle. You know, like we've been talking forever about them getting someone to push Tavares over to the wing. That didn't happen. They lost Ryan O'Reilly. David Camp is now like presumably their third line center. So suddenly their fourth line center is going to be Gambrell or it's going to be Pontus Holmberg. Like they're just not. No. And like, how many guys do they have now? I'm looking at their depth chart who can play center. Well, Domi like, can. Domi theoretically can, but like, he's not. Yeah. Don't, he was the center of like one of the worst teams in the NHL. Like, it's not his ideal position. I think he played, did he play the wing in Dallas? No, maybe he didn't play the wing in Dallas. Um, anyway, like, I, I just don't love, and defensively in the playoffs, like, that's kind of how you need to win. And yet, obviously, they haven't been able to score. So, I don't know. Not only that. What do you think? You know, if Camp is centering your third line, you're not going to get a lot of offense out of that line. And presumably right. that's a defensive checking line. So Reeves can't play on that line. So then who's on your fourth line? Like if your fourth line is Lafferty, Gambrell, and Reeves, that's not giving you- Not going to score it's not, at all. Yeah. So you, then it feels like you're going to have two lines with no offense, unless unless I'm missing something. I don't see how you could be missing something. Like I don't, unless they're going to like, go back to like, let's play William Neander on the third line with camp. And like, I, you can't rule anything out with Sheldon Keefe because he's willing to try a lot of different stuff, but it's just like the malleability with the roster is just not great. Like I, man, like given like the way the, the game is gone, like having a, like they've been here with Ryan Reeves, like way back with Colton Orr and Fraser McLaren, even the last couple of years with like Simmons and Kyle Clifford guys, like you literally can't play anywhere, but the fourth line, I just don't, don't like it. All right. Let's, let's buzz through a couple more questions and we got to wrap it up. Um, Donald says he wants to listen to us talk about anything. That's not 10 minutes of Nylander contract debates. So I say, oh yeah, that was on the list. I forgot. So I say, there you go, Donald. We didn't talk about it at all. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it on the next show. Let's do it on that. Okay. Let's do it. On that. There might be more some more information trickling out by that point too. So it's been pretty quiet around that situation. Belvedere, amazing name, says, "Why should anyone care about the regular season unless they dramatically underperform? I can't see how it could possibly be the least bit compelling." What do you think? No, it's going to be compelling. Like there's new players. I mean, I think they should win the division. I think it's a disappointment if they don't win the division. If you win the division, you can play a wildcard team instead well, of playing Tampa so or Boston. Let's like, just ruminate on that for a second. Boston's going to take yeah. a step back with what's happening with their roster and losing mm-hmm. Bergeron and Krejci. 
Tampa looks yep. like they're vulnerable. Florida's going to be without Ekblad and Montour to start the year. There, there's a, and I don't. None of the the four challenger teams in the Atlantic are are ready to overtake the Leafs, or shouldn't be anyway. Barring a disaster, mm-hmm. it should be right there for them to win the division. Yeah, and and there's so many like compelling points of the season. Like I, I'm curious, obviously, to see what Austin Matthews the Leafs get back. Like, is he more like the player from two years ago when he was healthy? Is all that stuff in the past? Obviously, Marner, you know, we'll see if he can chase 100 points. We'll see if Neander can put together another big year like he had last season, maybe 50 goals. Samsonov, is he going to be able to deliver again now that he's playing more? Like, there's lots of interest. And then, obviously, like we just talked about their defense. Inevitably, I bet like by November, we'll be looking at like who could they trade for? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be interesting. And obviously, if they don't play well, more interesting. I still think they'll be one of the better teams, but you can see where the fans are coming from though, right? Where for sure. I mean, for sure. Fans want playoff success and they they're tired of watching them fail in in the key moments. So it'd be very it'd be interesting to see the ratings, Jonas. Like I bet your TV ratings during the regular season are down over the last couple of years. Maybe. I mean, I I think that's part of like organizationally what they've risked is like by continuing to bring back the same team again and again, like you kind of start to annoy your fan base to say the least, right? Like, it's just like, no, we're going to try it again. I mean, I can't think of another situation where a team did run back the group this many times without postseason success. People point to Washington or St. Louis. I mean, those, those rosters and those cores changed over quite a bit by the time they won. Yes. Roland wants to know, do you still foresee Tree Living making another move before the season? I mean, I don't think it's out of the question, but it might be a smaller move. I mean, there's they're, they're so... So the, the lineup I've got, I've got 20 players on the roster, and they only have 627,000 in cap space, which isn't enough to have 20, carry 21 players. And that's with having to waive Timmons... I sent down Holmberg. Um, you know, I've got Nyes, Gambrell, Lafferty on the roster. I could see, you know, if you could move a Lafferty or maybe they want to trade Timmons. If you if you trade Lafferty, then you can open up enough space you can at least carry 21 players. So maybe there'll be some kind of a move like that. They they kind of need Lafferty, but <laughs> But you see what I'm saying? I mean, saying? you can lock like, in. Do you want to Yeah, 100%. Do you, you want to go yeah. in with a 20 player roster and well, I mean, we do this every year and then like injuries happen and then it, it doesn't yep. end up being an issue. Um, but well, like you can lock in, like I'm counting. It would have like, been an issue last year if Jake Muzzin hadn't four games into the season decided to end his yep. to end his career. Like they would have ran into this, but that ended up happening. I mean, I, I don't think you go into the year hoping something like that's going to happen. Well, wasn't it the second game where that goalie from, was it U of T with Matt Murray or the yeah. third game? Yeah, it was early on. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you can lock in, like, 11... I think there's 11 forward locks. Like, the only... I'm including Lafferty, not including Holmberg, not including Gambrell, not including Nick Robertson. So, like, 11 forward locks. And then there's... What would you say? Five locks on D? Like, do you think Giordano's a lock? I, I guess. I would say yes. And then Samsonov's a lock. And, like, you mentioned Wall, his waiver status... 
makes him probably no, a lock. I, so I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of intrigue at training camp unless there's injuries. Like I don't know all these guys like no, Simon there will Benoit be. and William Legison and Maxime Lajoie, like Timmins. I don't know where those guys are gonna. They got a bunch of guys that have a little bit of NHL experience on D as depth guys. Yeah. Gareth's got one for you. He wants to know what is the likelihood that the offseason changes they made will make a meaningful difference in their playoff results? Will the type of players acquired make a difference, or does it just come down to the stars being stars? You know what's interesting about that is is just in prepping now the last weekend change for the season. You look at Bertuzzi, awesome in his first playoffs, right? With Boston, just like electric, kind of what you thought he'd be. Domi was really good for Dallas last year. So, like, those are two guys where it's like, oh, they perform. But, like, obviously, in the end, it's going to come down to their stars. Like, you go back to that series last year against Florida, their two highest play players don't score. They don't win. You know, like, it's, it's, you kind of need both. It feels like maybe, Jonas, that there's even more pressure on the stars given. I mean, they're going to make, yes. they're going to make additions. They're going to have a trade deadline. Like, yep. Looking at the roster now, they're probably going to need to add a center at the deadline. They're probably going to need to add yep. a defenseman potentially. We'll see what happens mm-hmm. in goal. So there's going to be reinforcements of, of to some effect. We know too that the moves that the Leafs tried to make that fell through. We know they tried to bring back Ryan O'Reilly. We know that they tried to get Radko Gudis instead of Klingberg. So that the way that this roster played out wasn't exactly what they were hoping for. So that again leads me to believe that there's more moves to come, even if they come during the season. Hypothetically, if it was Gudis instead of Klingberg, what would you think? I mean, what's the number? What did, yeah, what did, that's the thing. What did Gudis sign for? He got a lot. Yeah. He got a lot. Didn't he get a long deal too? I think he got three years at $4 million or something like that, if I remember correctly. Ooh, baby. By the ducks. Are you looking that up? Yeah. Is that right? You're correct. Yeah. That's right. I don't think I would want to give Gudis three years, but he fits stylistically better than Klingberg does on the team. I can see what they were thinking bringing him in. You can kill penalties and- you know, yes. right now, who's killing penalties on the on this blue line? Brody, McCabe, Lilligren, Giordano. I guess so. But you're talking about Giordano not making the team. Yeah. I mean, no, I, let's be honest. Like, I, I can't see anyone claiming Timmins on waivers with his contract. Like, two more years this year and next at 1.1. Like, I guess, no, I can't see it. Do you think so? I don't think so. He's I barely think, played. I think he would probably slip through. Yeah. Yeah. And then he can be your seven guy that bounces back and forth. Yeah. All right. All right. I thought we were going to be rusty and this was going to be terrible, but it seemed like we're doing all right. It felt a little rusty, but. Except you haven't read my, you haven't read any of my stories that I wrote when you were on vacation. I totally check out James, to be totally honest well, with you. Well, you were on like, you were all over the world. You were in like all these different countries. I didn't go, I didn't get on a plane once since we got back from the draft. Yeah, but you were around too. You were you were doing like Chevy Chase and vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Gris- Griswold <laughs> vacation. I know. What's your favorite of those movies? Oh, I like the the Christmas one. Yeah. So I great movies. I've probably said this to you before, but like it when you watch those movies and you're young, you're like, oh, this guy's such a doofus and <laughs> what, what, yeah. what a goof and then when you watch it now and you have kids and you're the dad you're like oh he's trying so hard and like you like <laughs> you really identify with him because every dad has those Griswold moments where so yeah 
Did you ever leave the dog like tied to the, <laughs> the station wagon? Oh, we don't have a dog, so I don't have to worry about that. But certainly, sometimes you like leave a coffee or a cell phone on top of the car, and that's always interesting. Oh man! All right, well that's that's perfect that we ended this pod with a little bit of movie talk because that's becoming our thing. Um, so we will be back next week. I think we'll start to preview training camp a little bit. There is a lot to discuss with training camp, James. Like I'm telling you. All right. I started to dig into this. There's lots of intrigue. Okay. Two um, weeks two weeks from tomorrow till physicals and whatever. So it's coming fast. Oh, baby. Can't wait. Uh, so we'll be back next week. I should remind you, James. Hang on. I have one thing I wanted to mention to you. What was it? Oh, yeah. Subscribe to the Athletics YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. And that's real. Like, it, you need an at sign. So it's youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show and i should remind you james also that it's a good time to get a subscription to the athletic it's only one dollar a month for 12 months when you visit and i can't even read when you visit the slash leaf report i don't even know why i have to read that because i've said that so many times just just when uh i said you we weren't rusty you you showed some rust at the end i know god terrible all right james talk to you next week thanks everyone